Welcome back, everybody, to the Mastering Risk Management podcast. And uh, we are back with podcast chats. So I'm Anthony Wilson, and with me, as usual, for our podcast chats is Brett Palmer. Hey, Brett. Hey, Anthony. I'm well. Yourself? Oh, living the dream, as they say. Living the dream. Talking about risk management, what could be better? better. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in again, listeners. We are um, about to talk about our next subject, uh, which we'll launch into in a moment, but just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for all the feedback on the podcast chat so far. So great feedback. Uh, Please keep it coming. Keep your ideas coming on on the subjects you'd like us to talk about. We've had a few great suggestions already. And as we go forward over the coming months, uh, you'll hear some of those subjects covered as we do these podcast chats. So thanks very much for for participating uh, in the program as well. So appreciate it. So Brett, what are we talking about today? What we're talking about today, Anthony, is one of the subjects that a lot of people have been asking us to discuss, which is risk management frameworks. So Ah, we, uh, we know from experience that this is an area that uh, can be done better in most cases. Uh, I'd almost go as far as saying in all cases. Um, and there's such yeah. a wide range of, of views about what is and isn't a framework and what is and isn't a policy, etc., etc., etc. So it, it's, it's a great opportunity to be able to have a chat and give, give our listeners a, a bit of guidance on what we think works and perhaps also what we think doesn't work, what is adoptable. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and and um, you know, without being too critical, Brett, I think we've uh, we've been into uh, several situations where the risk management framework is a multi-page document, uh, one document, um, and uh, you know, getting up there over probably a hundred pages at least, and uh, generally to be found either propping open the managing director's door or buried in somebody's bottom drawer because it's not that practical or that useful. Would that, would that be fair or am I being a bit no, harsh? No, I think that's probably not too, uh, not too harsh. Uh, I don't think it's an indication that the risk management framework is actively being applied when you nearly trip over it walking into that managing director's office because it is propping the door open. But unfortunately, experience shows us that the majority of people that put any time and effort into developing the framework do nothing with it once it's actually developed. And it's a really, really important and valuable tool that everybody should have access to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So by comparison, maybe just let's let's talk quantity, but uh, by comparison, our ABM uh, risk framework, the model that we develop, bespoke, by the way, for each different organisation, uh, how many pages is that as a rule, Brett? Well, that's a, that's a good question to ask, Anthony. I'm just going to count them. Uh, one. Yep, I finished. <laughs> just the one. Just the Excellent. One so, yeah, we are being a little facetious, folks, but, you know, a risk management framework is not a single document, right? It is a framework, as the name implies. So it has many, many elements. And if you see or hear of somebody saying, that we're going to write a risk management framework document and it's multiple pages thick, you're probably on the wrong track. Now, you know, we'd love to come out and have a chat with you if you think that's the way to go, and I'm sure we could convince you otherwise because the framework is such an important foundational component of a successful risk management program. You have to get it right. That's right, Anthony. There are so many important aspects to the framework. It needs to provide a mandate. It needs to set boundaries. You know, it's fundamental that it clarifies that risk is an enabling function across the organisation, not a not a controlling function. It's not there to stop you doing things. It's actually there to help you get things done, to 
take risk, informed risk. It's, uh, it it yeah. needs to spell out the principles by which you want to manage risks across your organisation. And it needs to address all the information that you need to be able to get it done. Standards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I, and I think there's some, some key elements of the framework that we talk about that, that are really important for organisations to think about. And, you know, this is not just for listed entities, um, you know, uh, not-for-profits, uh, venture capital, government departments. It, the principles apply universally. So, you know, those, those key elements, let's talk about the first one, the key element of the framework, and that's got to be the risk management policy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And the policy needs to yeah. be different things to different organisations. So, I mean, it's fairly obvious that most organisations that are ASX listed put the risk management policy up on their website. Unfortunately, what that means yeah. is it tends to be very generic. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't want to give away your trade secrets. But frankly, the risk management policy isn't the document to do that. That's not, what the in, yeah. that's not what the intention. It is the mandate. It should spell out the commitment that you're making to risk management as an organisation. Now, if you're not an ASX-listed yeah. company, why, why would you have anything different? You know, yeah. Whether you're yeah, listed exactly. or not, the fundamentals of why you're managing risk are the same. Absolutely. And, and people have just got to think about the purpose of the document. It's the board stating their position and mandating that risk management will be done and be done properly in the organisation. Yeah, right. So that, that's the purpose of the document. Right. So that one's fairly straightforward. And, and, you know, there's not too many organisations we've been to that don't have a risk management policy. The quality varies um, and the intent varies from time to time, but generally organisations have got a risk management policy. I guess the only thing we see with some organisations is that they tend to abbreviate it down and it becomes a risk management statement. Now, there's nothing necessarily yeah. wrong with that, providing they're not omitting the important information elsewhere within the documents that support the framework. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's the first element. The second element of a risk management framework and, and an ABM uh, branded risk management framework and, as I say, bespoke for every organisation. But the second element is the risk appetite statement. Again, another critical component of the framework. Absolutely. Risk appetite. Uh, you've heard me say it before. Uh, this is an area of massive opportunity that many organisations simply don't even deal with, don't even develop their risk appetite in a formal statement. Um, yeah. We spend a lot of time working with our clients uh, at the highest level of the organisation, the engagement with the board and the executive as well as down through the layers of the business to understand that business so we can develop this risk appetite statement in a really uh, functional way, something that they can actually apply across the analysis of risks in the organisation. Absolutely. Because if it's not practical, it's Absolutely. not going to work. So, you know... The yeah, this is where this is the, uh, the as you say the real opportunity, and and we will do a separate episode um, of the podcast chats on the risk appetite statement, and we'll get into more detail. But as Brett said uh, earlier in the piece, this is your boundary setting document. So you know, and and many people think, oh, boundary setting, here we go again, risk management stopping us doing stuff. Uh, don't forget the risk appetite statement tells you when you're not taking enough risk, right? This is the board saying, hey, management. Get cracking. We want you to take risk. We want you to explore opportunities. We want you to grow this business positively. So if your risk appetite statement is all about stopping things happening, then again, it's only doing half the job. Funny, isn't it, so, Anthony, how you know, we've, we've had that situation arise many times where we do those, yeah. those stakeholder interviews 
when we get into a new engagement and we're talking to the board and the board are saying, why isn't management prepared to take more risk? And then we're talking to yeah. the executive and they're going, why won't the board let us take more risk? Yeah, and that disalignment or misalignment, whatever the whatever you want to call it, is is frustrating both parties and uh, uh, they just need to come to the table. And sometimes that's the best value uh, discussion they'll ever have is sitting down and saying, oh, that's how much risk you that's want amazing. to take. amazing when the penny drops uh, and they realise how aligned they are. Absolutely, absolutely. So the next element, Brett, um, we, we talk about risk management principles. So talk to us about the principles um, for the framework. I think the principles, are, they just it's about making sure that you're clear on, on achievable outcomes. Uh, uh, obviously, the intention of risk management is to help you increase the, um, the, op, the objectives of the organisation. So if you have a set of principles, it actually guides you with how you undertake the risk management process across the organisation. Yeah. Now, it's a combination, the way we, we address this, it's a combination of organisational principles blended with the principles that are actually outlined in the ISO 31000 standard. Yeah. So it brings those together and they're very complementary. They really just set, it's, it's, it's a bit more boundary setting, but yeah. boundary setting in a different way. So consistent, responsible, achievable, focus on outcomes to achieve objectives is what the principles are seeking to, to achieve. Yeah, and, and just to allay any fears out there, these are very short, sharp um, principles. You know, they're not uh, reams and reams of paper espousing all sorts of different things. They're very short and sharp principles that, um, that support um, the execution of risk management effectively yes, in the organisation. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Excellent. And... From there, we move to a little thing we call the risk management standards. So, Brett, talk to us about some of the... Because uh, I guess there's there's a couple of elements we want to explore here. One's, uh, ironically, what you'd call the standard standards or the ones we, we tend to implement in every organisation because the they're standard consistent. Standards. The I standard standards. The standard standards, that's standard squared for, for uh, everyone listening. Uh, and then there's good. those very specific ones. So maybe just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the number of standards that you have isn't a set figure. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all type of approach. But within the standards, there are a number of documents that we think all organisations should have in some, in some variant of yeah. them. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, um, the very first standard that we build for every organisation is a glossary. Yeah. And why do we do that? Is because there's just so much confusion out there about the definitions, the terminology of risk management. And yeah. We've said it before, we hear a lot of confusion between risk, hazards, and, and threats, and opportunities, and, and health and safety, and it goes on and on and on and on. So it doesn't particularly matter too much what you call it, providing everybody understands it as being the same thing. Yeah. yeah and the glossary actually sets that out. So it's basically just a list of... Um, many <laughs> definitions of all the terms that we use uh, in the risk management function across the organisation. Yeah, and the, and the nice thing about that, Brett, I think, is that it's, it brings some consistency across that organisation, whether you're talking uh, compliance, whether you're talking health and safety, whether you're talking product quality, whether you're, whatever it is you're talking about, we're at least on the same page as to what a hazard is or an incident is or a risk is or whatever it is. So that, that's a real benefit of that ex exercise. Absolutely, absolutely. So some of the other standards that we, we think are important in terms of clarity, um, we have a standard that addresses opportunities and threats. It's just basically a document that outlines what's the difference between them because, uh, as we've said many times before, 
Um, a lot of organisations only focus on threats and they miss opportunities. So yeah. this is intended to make sure that everybody understands that it's both the upside and the downside of risk. Yeah, It's absolutely. about protecting value and it's about creating value. Yeah. And again, um, we will come back, uh, listeners, in another podcast chat and talk about opportunity risk assessment because uh, whilst they are two sides of the one coin, that is opportunities and threats are two sides of the risk coin, uh, we have a different, a slightly different technique when we assess opportunities and it really uh, opens up eyes. And we've done this with, with organisations on a number of occasions and, um, you know, I've got to say the, the CEOs and the C-suite teams we've worked with uh, are very, very happy with the, with the process we go through from an opportunity risk assessment. So we will come back to that at some point as well. Yeah, so what else, good. Brett, is in the list of standards? So I'm just going to zip through a few of them and make a brief comment on each of them as we go. So um, we have one that talks about risk-based decision-making. It just basically reinforces to everybody um, what you use risk management for when it comes to making decisions. It, it's not a complicated document. It's basically just a reinforcement of some of the information that they need to understand you know, what it's for, what it's being applied for, and how you do it. We have roles and responsibilities as a standard. And we have it as a standard because we find that every time you write a document, you're putting a role and responsibility section in it. So carve it out and put it somewhere else, and that way you don't have to put it in yeah. every single document. It's just a streamline and efficiency yeah. issue. We, we document the risk management process. It's probably the heart yeah. of the standards. Is it, tells, it tells everybody how you do it. This is the process, and yeah. this is how it works. Similarly, this is the risk assessment process. This is how it works. This is the risk treatment process. Yeah. This is how it works. We have, a, we have a standard on monitoring and reviewing risks, and it's an area that we see uh, is, is, is inconsistent in how it's done across a lot of organisations. Many, many organisations think that risk needs to be done on a periodic basis. So they'll set a, set a time frame that says every risk needs to be reviewed you know, at six months or at 12 months or whatever. Well, you know, that's yeah. not quite right. <laughs> Every risk should be looked at within a, you know, within a 12-month period because you should be considering context and how it's affected the risks. But if you've, got a, if you've got a high risk that's screaming out, you don't want to wait 12 months to review it. You don't want to wait six months to no, review exactly. it. exactly. So the rating should dictate the frequency. Yeah. Um, we spend a lot of time developing risk metrics and they're documented in a standard as well. And the risk metrics are obviously for threats, for opportunities, but also for projects. So uh, that, that, that's in a separate standard. Very important to get that right. Lots of engagement required to actually get those figures right, those values right. We talk about acceptance and approval. A common problem that we find across organisations is there's no clarity on what they can actually accept yeah. by way of a risk. It's important to make sure that that is clearly documented so everybody understands. You know, we all know that risk management, if it's done correctly, should empower people within the organisation to get exactly. on with business. So this is about making sure that that's clear. We talk about the assurance of controls. We talk about how risk management should factor into the planning process. We even talk about the governance yeah. of risk. And for some organisations, you know, we might make up specific standards that are relevant to their, their organisational needs. So, for example, a mergers and acquisition risk management standards. So not how to do mergers and acquisitions by any means, but what to focus on if you're actually doing mergers and acquisitions from a risk management perspective. And I guess the one thing that I didn't mention in there, Anthony, is project risk. We actually document the processes uh, required to, to undertake project risk analysis and risk management. Yeah, and, and, and one thing I'd just emphasise there uh, that Brett said is that the, the 
development of this framework is bespoke to the organisation. And every organisation is different in some regard. So, you know, they'll have a speciality or they'll do something differently or, as Brett said, you know, they're big into mergers and acquisitions or whatever it is. They'll have a a specific and unique feature to that organisation. So we'll work with the organisation and the management team to develop a risk management standard around that. So not how to do that specific task, but how to consider risk in that specific activity. And that makes the framework extremely flexible. You should also just add, Anthony, I mean, that that's pretty much, you know, end-to-end in terms of the standards that, that we look at. And that's just one example that we might apply for one organisation. The factor that we need to consider for every organisation is their risk management maturity. We know that for a lot of organisations, a full-blown framework like this day one is not what they need. Yeah. But what we also know is that they need to have the ability to be able to develop over time. So we can modify our approach to these standards to ensure they get the basics of what they need to move forward in their journey on that that risk roadmap, as we quite often refer to it. So some of these can be developed as full-blown statements and standards, I beg your pardon, and others of them can be abbreviated to meet their specific requirements. So it comes down, you know, horses for courses as to what we actually will provide an organisation. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one just last thing to mention on the frameworks, um, you know, there are some underlying or some supporting components to that as well. So, you know, uh, training and development competency, those sort of things. So helping people understand their role and, and how to perform their role in risk management. Um, we can actually be very flexible with the framework and build in things like the compliance uh, side of things as well. So it can become a risk and compliance framework if necessary. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we also talk about uh, your business resilience stuff, so your business continuity, IT disaster recovery, your crisis management, your emergency response stuff. So the framework is bespoke to the organisation. So we, we develop it. Uh, develop it in light of that organisation's um, particular circumstance. Just just one last thing we should probably cover, though, Anthony, is you know, once you've got your framework, what do you do with it? Yeah, and, and, and this issue we flippantly said at the start, you, know, you trip over the document that's been printed off and keeps the managing director's door open. A lot of organisations don't do anything with it once they've actually got it. We've developed a, uh, uh, an online uh, application that allows this risk management framework to be digitised and available to everybody across the organisation. And we find that when we do that, the ability of people to access any part of the framework that they want easily, efficiently, effectively, yeah. promptly, call it what you will, um, that adds enormous value to people in the organisation in their ability to be able to understand what needs to be done to make risk management effective across the organisation. Yeah, absolutely, Brett. The, the document's always up to date and it's always readily that's available. Right. So, yeah, that's a really good point. That, um, that hosted... Um, version on your intranet, whatever it is that you have, um, makes a huge yeah, difference. It's not just the PDF document; it lives and breathes. No, no, it's yeah, it's a digital, a digital framework. Well, folks, listen, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much again for tuning in. We hope you found that very interesting. And obviously, if something that we've said today uh, sort of pikes your interest, sing out. Uh, you know, we're available at uh, www.abmrisk.com.au. Um, so please feel free, you know, via that website to get in touch with us. We can tell you a little bit more about our framework development process. Uh, we can talk about the digital version if that's something that's uh, of interest to you. 
and you know we can just sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about your risk management generally if you like so if you're interested please reach out and uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be happy to meet and talk and, and explore your situation a little bit further so Brett thanks again for your time today yeah thank you Anthony no problems and listeners thank you for tuning in we will talk again soon cheers